Hello, I'm Jo Hobbs, Early Years Advisor within the Early Years Team Children's Services. For the fifth year, the Early Years Team are running a Focus Communication Week. Small steps, including singing, reading stories, chatting and playing with your child from birth to the age of five, can have a huge impact on their early speech, language and communication skills. For this podcast, I'd like to welcome... Uh, I'm Hayley Abel. I'm the, uh, I manage the Early Years SEND Access and Inclusion Team. And I'm Fran McMullen. I'm the preschool leader at Princess Risborough Primary School. I'm Emily Taylor. I'm a customer services officer at Buckinghamshire Libraries. So to start off with, why as an early year service are we raising the importance of communication as a focus? So COVID-19 and the lockdown it entailed contributed to more than 1.5 million children across the UK struggling with speaking and understanding. Without support, these children will be held back in life. But prior to this, we had already seen an increase in delayed communication and language. A A recent report from Speech and Language has identified for children who struggle to talk and understand words, their whole lives are affected. Their recent report found that children are six more, six times more likely to fail English tests at age 11, 11 times less likely to pass maths, twice as likely to have mental health problems and twice as likely to be employed as an adult. So should we start off having a chat about that? Definitely. I mean, those statistics are fairly shocking, really, aren't they? Um, the In particular about mental health. I hadn't realised that particular statistic. Um, as we're recording, it's um, Children's Mental Health Week. Um, so at the libraries, we're doing quite a lot to actually promote awareness of children's mental health and obviously getting children to be able to talk about their own emotions from a really early age is crucial. It's something that we struggle with as adults still being able to identify particular emotions. So starting these conversations with them very, very young is is so important. And the the sort of thinking about um, children's future and how, um, you know, an inability to understand language can stop so many other things, the you know, inability to read, inability to follow instructions, to even sort of, you know, looking ahead into the future, all the different careers and, you know, it's so debilitating. And, you know, we know that where children are confident talkers, confident listeners, it opens, it, you know, it opens doors for them in terms of positive feedback, recognition from um, other adults and peers. Uh, when when we're visiting schools and settings, it's the, you know, the children who come up and want to have a conversation with you. They get all that lovely sort of serotonin glow from somebody acknowledging something, you know, a, a, a lovely piece of work they've done or something that they've just created. And just by not um, even just instigating communication, they're missing out on, on all of that extra uh, glow, really, from somebody else's recognition about what they've done and achieved. So, uh, you know, what we, we put a, a lot of uh, focus into Communication Week for that reason, because it really highlights the importance of starting as soon as you can and from, you know, talking and reading stories to babies right the way through, you know, through um, for older children. You know, there's never a time really to stop that kind of sharing stories and uh, communicating in lots of different ways. Um. Fran, what what have you noticed from a a nursery point of view? Well, certainly that children have come in um, with a lower 
uh, vocabulary range than before COVID. Um, and I think it's um, getting across to parents, and this is why the week is so important, it's getting across to parents that chatting with children gives them the vocabulary words and sentences so they can think out loud, they can share their own thoughts, and it supports the back and forth conversations um, so that children have influence over a subject. They're not only receiving information, but they've got some vocabulary to give back. Um, and if we can install a, a much more chattier way with parents and their children, just, just to encourage them, obviously in the setting we do that, but to be able to continually do that at home with parents, it really builds on their social skills they're going to need when they attend school. It, it, increases their vocabulary, um, develops their listening comprehension skills and feeds the brain with all these new words and information. And I think chatting with children is, is such a natural thing to do that everything we can do to encourage that has to be for the benefit of the child. And surely as well, it makes parenting easier if you've got a child who can communicate with you I have uh, my daughter is coming up too she's two in March and so we're very much in the stage of, of pushing boundaries and feeling lots of big feelings that she doesn't necessarily know how to help to put the words to or how to express other, other than with sheer rage apparently um, but um, you know she, st she started her big girl nursery yesterday her, her toddler nursery and when we went in we walked up the stairs and she went mummy scared and I was able to comfort her and give her a big cuddle and then she went into nursery I stayed for a little bit and then she said mummy go work now <laughs> I, oh okay I'll I'll leave then shall I <laughs> but she was able to to talk to me about that and communicate with me that she was she was settled she's fine now and I felt quite proud of I felt very proud of her and also quite proud of me and my partner as parents that we have this little tiny person who can go yep everything's all right and you know I think if if parents are able to talk to their children and encourage communication um, with their children from really 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 tiny little ones then you get lots of good feelings both for the child and for the parents as well. But I also think that doesn't always come naturally does it and now I work in education now but when I had young children I didn't and I had come from a background that really wasn't educational and I remember quite early on saying nobody told me that I needed to talk to my baby it didn't come naturally to me even though you have a child a baby that's non-verbal at that point chatting along so they can just hear the language that you're using is so important but it doesn't always just come naturally does it and you've and you've also got children who have who are pre-verbal who may who may never have words as such but who are really skillful communicators mm -hmm. if you go back to some you know some of your your you know really young toddlers and you uh, you sort of pre-verbal children at that point they, they they certainly can let us know when they're not happy with something or when they want more of something or when they want to do something for longer so I think that's the another aspect of this week is we're looking at communication in its widest sense and yeah. we can support that as well as adults by 
by sort of, you know, modelling some of those actions and being really, you know, showing when we're really happy with something and when we're frustrated that something's not really gone our way. And we can do that non-verbally as well. And and I think it's really, you know, it, it's really powerful for children to see when we're struggling with something on where, or when we're um, really persevering. And we can we can introduce some of these words that help label some of those emotions that you were talking about, Emily, um, at, at quite an, an early age. Um, so, yeah, so it's just it's just really joyous that we can really focus on all of these aspects and 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 really supporting in how we uh, show children the, the importance of communication between adults so that we're modelling in a setting as you will do, Fran, all the time. You know, you're modelling sort of gratitude and waiting your turn and all of those things. And it, it's it really um, puts things in sort of in real time for children to see that this isn't it's all new to them but you know we've been at it for longer and still we're working on aspects of communication aren't we between each other so yeah it's great to be able to do it really so where do we all feel that stories nursery rhymes and poems fit into the um to early development of language i mean we know that if children experience early shared reading they're more likely to continue to read as they grow up Reading for pleasure in the early years has four times more powerful impact on children's progress across the curriculum at age 16 than parental education or socioeconomic status. So what do we feel about stories and nursery rhymes and poems? Well, I think once taking a storybook as a starting point, um, to be able to physically hold a book to feel the cover, to smell the, especially a new book or new magazine, that lovely smell that comes with it, to sit with somebody, somebody that's engaged with you, somebody that's making it fun. Maybe they've got gestures, facial expressions. They might change their voice for different characters in the story. It's, it's a whole um, feeling, a, a special feeling of having somebody focused on you and the book you're holding. And if that emotion can be tied up with looking at a storybook, um, that's just going to support them through their learning right the way through school. It's a wonderful starting point, and um, and it can be with a in here in preschool a staff member with a family member. Just that few minutes a day when the child knows they're going to get um, a, a, the same eye level, some with, with their with their parent um, or carer, where they've got they're being listened to. They can. Um, add to the story they start to remember the story so it's a it's a, a whole emotive issue looking at books um, as well as just reading the stories and obviously learning the new vocabulary that's within them think some of the um some of those very early lap songs you know lap games where the children are sat with you and you're doing row 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 your boat you you are you know it's just that perfect environment you're face to face you're close you're giving that support but those kind of um repetition songs very early on they become the staples then for children that you know if you can get that joy in then 
but equally families knew that at that point you were also giving them a really important pre-reading skill you know if you can't hear that cat rhymes with mat then it you can't help you can't spell cat and mat because you can't make those connections in the same way so it is so important and you know as teachers you can see the children who have had who've been exposed to lots of rhymes and songs and you just wish you you could share that with well no this is a way of sharing it with parents isn't it to say you, you know as teachers of older children a year two child you can you know the children that have had lots of um, nursery rhymes and singing um, and lots of that repetition um, you can see it in the way they learn and the way they understand how letters and sounds work you've got to be able to hear that before you can put it into practice and put it into action really and there's you know it's you can't overdo it either it's one of those things that you can't say oh no go easy on those rhymes and songs now because you've really done loads you, you just can't overdo it and that's um you know it's a it's a, a lovely feeling that you just you just the pot never overflows in terms of um you know singing and rhymes because it's just builds and builds and builds and and children's brains bank it and use it and then can um transfer that skill so that they're making their own rhymes and it's it's just lovely and you can really pick up pick out the children that have been exposed to that kind of support yeah and there's that incredible link between the number of nursery rhymes that young children know mm. and their early success at reading I think isn't it mm. five, if a child knows five or six nursery rhymes by heart they mm. will become the the earliest readers once they start mm. school mm. but the other thing there is there's a lot of research around keeping a steady beat and other things like writing and yeah. um, uh, most movements, you know, to walk, to run, to skip, to jog. There's all a steady beat within that to cut, um, you know, all of those things. There is a beat within that. And children will pick up that beat from those, as, as Hayley says there, those early um, exposure to rhythm and rhyme. That's where they're getting um, mm. that, that type of um, exposure. Mm. Um, rhythm and rhyme affect the way the brain learns and it improves the way that we read so it's that they're they're intrins intrinsically linked emily what about um what sort of activity do you have in the libraries around rhythm and rhyme and so yes i was going to say i think this is where the libraries can be a really really helpful service to all parents um so i work at prince's risborough library um and we run a story time and we have um, bounce and rhyme sessions as well for babies and for toddlers um, and i know that's fairly widely spread across all, all the libraries in the county Are that honestly the highlight of my week i think story time <laughs> bounce and rhyme because the enjoyment that the children get out of them is is absolutely huge and when you see the you know the babies graduating up to toddler bounce and rhyme you can really see the difference that the exposure to all of the nursery rhymes has really made to them um you know they'll go from just kind of lying there gurgling on the floor maybe shaking some little maracas or something and enjoying the bubbles to really getting involved and they'll 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 have the rhythm like you were saying they'll have um the the motor control um the fine motor skills to be able to play with some of the instruments or or beat a rhythm um or do the hand gestures you know incy wincy spider that kind of thing um and it's fun and they don't realize that they're learning and i think sometimes that's that's crucial in a way, isn't it? 
Um, I personally run the story time sessions. Um, we have four picture books that we do each week. And the, the, the imaginations of the children is just amazing. The most common age group is about two, three-year-olds who come. Um, so they're not reading by themselves, really, um, at this stage. But they love the pictures. Anything that rhymes, huge fan of that. Anything interactive, again, they just love to get involved. But even the other books, where you, I, I sometimes pick ones that have just got amazing illustrations. And they look at the illustrations and they'll focus in on like a ladybird or something similar and then suddenly you'll get a whole story out of them about this ladybird that they saw at the weekend in the park and they did this amazing thing and their siblings were involved and you learn so much about the child just because of this one tiny thing in a book that they maybe wouldn't have seen if they hadn't come to story time um, and for families who maybe don't have the resources um, the time to spend reading um, or learning nursery rhymes, singing those nursery rhymes, the library is it, such a good resource for that, even though I'm biased. <laughs> yes, and I think there, Emily, also what we're picking up through what you're saying there, it's, it's this vocabulary, the acquisition of new vocabulary um, and stories, nursery rhymes, poems, chat, they are all introducing new vocabulary to children and we know the link between the amount of words children know, again, with their future success, mm. the more words a child knows, the better they do as adults. Mm. Research tells us it's actually true. Once you've got those um, rhymes sort of in place, so your old MacDonald, your grand old Duke of York, it doesn't matter that children don't know what a grand old Duke is for any of those. Once you've got that rhythm and repetition, you can then adapt them. So old MacDonald can have a shop and in that shop he had and you can because then children are starting then to learn about that creativity and again they find that hilarious you can really focus in on their special interest or the thing that they are focused on at that particular time but because you've got you've already learned the rhythm and the repetition and you've got the bare bones of old MacDonald had um, you, you're then not changing too much and they've not got to find too many words but they feel they've already reinvented this whole song you can then use them um, for like teeth brushing routines so you can introduce a song and there are lots of for example some autistic children who find it much easier to follow some of the rules if you've if you've sung the instructions um and will find it easier to um uh, you know to pick up new skills if you've introduced them by singing and there's lots of families who will say oh you know I've really struggled to get a child to do a b or c but now I've put it into a song um we can pretty much do anything if it's if it's put to that that music that they recognize it's a bit of a, a hook that sort of gets them in and then you can sort of build on using those skills and that changing things like that is the great emergence of storytelling isn't it you know if you take a simple structure whether that's yeah. a, a nursery rhyme or a story and you change the beginning or you change the middle and you change the end all of a sudden and you become all that storytellers. Yeah, all yeah. that sequencing is pre-reading. So, you know, if you know that, you know, just being able to list the things that old MacDonald had on his farm, in his shop, in his garage, even in a bag, old MacDonald had a bag and the children are choosing what's in the bag. It's just... Um, it all helps with those sequencing skills that that go on to be pre-reading and then go on to, you know, all part of storytelling and 
you know, holding your own in a conversation because you've got those key elements um, to it. Well, we, we've just started here um, at preschool with a, a new programme called the Poetry Basket. So every week we're introducing a completely new poem to the adults as well as the children. Um, and so we're all acquiring new vocabulary through yeah. this and obviously mm -hmm. they pick up the patterns and rhythms in speech, but it's the building the memory that has just been so obvious using these new poems um, it, it as a tip to parents um, when we're learning a new poem uh, we have to repeat it three times in a row and this kind of matches up with um, many speech therapists that um, have come and done work with our children over the years who say when you're introducing a new word make sure you repeat it three times within a short space of time so when we introduce this new poem we repeat it three times in a row um, they all come with dramatic actions which are always fun and, and help them help the memory I really am a great believer in the traditional rhymes um, because, and the reason for that is because they can be sung by any family member, any friend, any peer that the child comes across. So it's sort of a common known, things like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and Bar Bar Black Sheep, everybody knows those. So again, it's, it's almost a social inclusion that um, if they go to grandma's house, if they go to a cousin's house, um, if, they're, if they're out in town singing, I'm sure somebody would join in with them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a, a lovely commonality that um, all the children can learn and, and have, those, have that, those words and those knowledge of those poems. There's some kind of musical reason, isn't there, why some of these nursery rhymes have stood the test of time. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's something about the, the notes and structure. And the other great thing about them is you can fit most music to them. So you could find any sort of Taylor Swift song and fit it to Here We Go Around the Mulberry Bush and yeah. it would work. And, yeah. and there's lots of other things. Again, when I talk about doing a teeth brushing song, I always say to families, find a nursery rhyme that you know because you know it, you'll be more confident uh, about um, singing it or using it. And just, uh, you know, just follow that pattern of those traditional songs. Because again, the children recognise the song and think, oh, there's some new words to this song um, and go in that way. But, you know, all, all of those um, things are just sharing with children things that we all love ourselves. You know, we like, yeah, some of us like music more than stories. We like um, things that are funny. We might like things that are deep. Um, but we're, we've all got an eclectic mix and that's what you want for children, don't you know, to, to be able to say, oh, I prefer that. This is my favourite, but I, you know, I don't mind that. And actually to then form opinions about the things that they're engaged with. And, and that in itself is a really fantastic skill to have. I mean, we don't know what our favourite song is when we first hear it, do we? We sort of hear it over and over again. And then we'll have songs from our childhood that we think, oh, yeah, I really liked that or songs that come on that are you know re reissued by a new artist or something we think oh yeah that's just that version and it just stays with you and it stays with you and it reminds you of a time and a place and that's what you want for those children to be uh, as adults going oh we had this brilliant song at preschool or um that, you know when I used to go to the library we always started 
with this song. And again, it's a really good um, start and end to an activity. So it helps children um, work out time and how, you know, when things are coming to an end, we always start, it gets you ready. So we might have our getting dressed song or our dinner song or our bedtime song. Um, and then you might have a song when something's finished or, and that really helps children manage expectation and also, you know, help move to that sort of transition time when you're finishing something you've really enjoyed but you're now ready to start onto something else which you might equally enjoy but that stopping something and starting something else is a real skill for children um, and transition times can be really supported with a, a sort of a, a stopping and starting song or rhyme. I think parents are always grateful when they're taught the tidy up song. Yes. So I, I was just going to say, I think as we've been chatting, quite a few ideas have come out about how to support communication. But uh, anything else that people want to add there? You know, what are the barriers? What 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 can we see as barriers? How can we help um, families overcome them or other ideas for encouraging communication? Well, I certainly know um, within the preschool that over three quarters of our families, both parents are working and it means that they are really short on time. So the normal routines in the day, all the, the laundry, uh, the getting meals, uh, all of that is pushed into the evening time and squished in. So it's, I think the biggest barrier for families in, in all honesty is time. Um, but the beauty is it just takes a 10 minute slot, just 10 minutes a day to read, chat, sing with your child. And that will make the biggest difference to them. You don't have to spend hours, just a 10 minute everyday routine where that child knows that they're going to have their parent giving them eye contact, listening, back and forth conversation, no mobiles nearby, television turned off. Just that quality time of just those few minutes would make all the difference to a child. And, and in years to come, you can look back and remember that was our special time every day. I think it's it would be a really lovely thing if every parent was able to do that. I'm just going to say I completely agree. Uh, I, I think that one-on-one -on -one time um, is so important, particularly if you have more than one child as well, making sure you have that one-on-one time with um, maybe your older child if you've got a newborn as well um, but making sure that they both get that one-on-one -on -one time with you um, or your partner if you're if you're not a single parent um, but also involving children with the routine um, exactly yeah. that gives them such such a, a great access to vocabulary that they wouldn't have had otherwise you know my, my daughter has been helping us unload the dishwasher um, since she could stand up basically and um, and she still loves helping in the kitchen um, I'm not sure how long that's going to last but for the moment we're, we're standing strong and um, and talking her through what we're doing in the kitchen um, and she she goes to nursery because we both work so when I'm um, pushing her in her pushchair back home, we talk about what we can see. So she knows what a shadow is. She doesn't understand the science behind it, but she knows what a shadow is because she's noticed it and we've pointed it out. So no I think what that, you're doing. Exactly. And that constant chat, you know, mm. you're just narrating what you're doing. And, you know, if you take that thing, we should be commenting four times more than we're questioning children. So just 
providing that chat that as you potter and you do things and you notice things together that's so important it doesn't need to be more than that does it involve your children with putting things in the washing machine and taking obviously with safety taking things out of the <laughs> dishwasher but that sort of pottering around it doesn't need to be anything different to what you're what you're doing ar around routines does it no I think trying to give children choices um it's a bit of a balance really so so that you might to to get started for some children if you say do you want to read a story not all children will go well, yes please I'd like to do that but if you say would you like to read pepper or room on a broom you're giving them a choice of two things then then they will choose one of those things equally for some children when you've got loads and loads of books in, if you know if you've got if you're fortunate enough to have loads sometimes Sometimes limiting or changing the choice so that there's some bedtime stories and they might they'll chop and change but you might spend a time when it's maybe calmer and you're not in the frantic sort of getting ready moments um, that you might say oh let's choose some bedtime books and you put, have a little basket of bedtime books so that a time when the children are perhaps more tired the, there's just a few to choose from so that the selection isn't overwhelming same with songs you know we, we might have a visual board that's got lots of pictures like of a spider and a bus and a so that you're choosing the wheels on the bus or into into spider but that you're able to make that choice visually so for lots of children who may not be able to um verbalize they can choose they might choose point um you might use that symbols or having the books in front of them so they can point so you're giving lots of ways of choosing um but sometimes limiting that choice is a bit more so is less threatening for some children that they're going to have to pick and just remembering that some of the um understanding if you say you know what story would you like or what song would you like it might be one that you don't know or that you've not got and so yeah. you know being able to sort of put it to children in a very visual way helps them and have and that repetition having your favorite songs at bedtime is is just great and it's another way of getting ready for that karma going to sleep time hopefully um but you might have a set three songs that again is the start of calming down and those three songs might be just ones that you know your children like but that are very you know repetitive and that you end your day with those songs um but yeah, it's 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 sort of factoring it in at all different times, really. But mm. I find for, if you feel that that's not happening for you, then having a chat time or a song time that you say, well, after dinner is chat time or before dinner is song time. If you factor it into your routine, you're more likely to do it um, in the same way that you will, you know, getting dressed or. But again, any any times are get, getting dressed songs, any of those things, and it's not. X factor the children don't mind what you sound like and sometimes parents worry that they're you know they're not as tuneful as uh, they might be and children as Taylor just, Swift yeah they don't care they don't care that you know really pleased that to have that you know you make it fun and they'll find it fun um and so you look I, happy the children you know they can see that you're happy doing something and getting that engagement back from them and that will lead on to to much more from them so it's probably um, um just to add here we've developed some um cards for communication week there's a daily card to support families um with ideas for chatting for children and we've based that all around routine so there's one for every day of communication week alongside a top tips for chatting with children and they are all available on Buckinghamshire Family um, Information Service um, for you to 
download and, and use with your children all linked to some lovely books that are, are all going to be available in the in the libraries um, so if we could share a top tip for families just one top tip for families what would it be well I think mine would be to make a five to ten minute special time for your child each day whether that's looking at a book or singing a song but to have it in your daily routine so that it's automatic every day um, and you know it's happening, your child knows it's happening and that can be your special time together. I would say try not to feel embarrassed if you're feeling self-conscious yeah. about chatting to a newborn um, yeah. who <laughs> is not responding. Um, if people see you doing that they're not going to think well, what's that weirdo doing? They're going to think oh wow what a great parent so don't yeah. don't be embarrassed. Oh, it's so hard to choose one, but um, I think I would suggest write, doing your own together. So writing a, a story very simply, but that's something that has happened with together with the, the child. So maybe, you know, a story about the day we went to the park, the day grandma lost her keys, so that they can see you writing, you know, three sentences and maybe putting a photograph on. So it's a story, but it's one that you've created together. So if, if there's something funny that happened, you know, you lost your car in the car park or anything like that, make it into a story that they can, you know, you, you repeat together and you tell other people your story. And again, that will sort of help um it just gives it a different not everything has to be published and bound and uh, no offense emily in the libraries but um <laughs> you're, you're just modeling aren't you you're modeling that's what stories are they're, th they're just things that people have told they don't all have to be um produced um, so for me mine would be read with your children every day even when they start reading themselves don't then just take your take the attention away from reading to them. It's an investment in their future you'll never regret. So thanks to Hayley, Fran and Emily for joining in this podcast today. Thanks all very much for your time. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you.